I have to confess that over this last year, maybe now it's about 10 months, not, or 11 months, but almost a year, I have learned quite a bit, haven't we, right? If I have learned something, I'm sure you have, because it's hard to make this thing learn anything. Um, but um, we have learned quite a bit, new ways of doing things, new ways of life, new um, ideas, new thoughts, new ways of connecting with one another, um, lots of new ways of doing lots of different things. One of the things that, uh, that we've learned is how to purchase the goods that we need. Um, and we're doing a lot of that online. I wish I had bought stock in cardboard um, prior to this, right? Um, I, well, then I may not be working here if I had all that money. No, it's not true. I love what I do here. But um, one of the things that, that, um, that, that my family has not had to do um, is buy a new car. And I was recently reading about how um, you can purchase a car nowadays, which seems, this just seems really weird. Um, you can go online and pick everything you want, and then they'll just deliver it to you. <laughs> like, I mean, just like Amazon delivers your deodorant or, you know, or celery or whatever, you can have a car delivered to you. There's no test driving, there's no come and see, there's no t um, try it and buy it kind of notion. You just pick what you want and it arrives. And you know they give you 24 hours to drive it and see if you like it and then you can return it, fully well knowing that the extras that they added in on it, like the power of windows and the moonroof and the, uh, the, the cool um, stereo and the extra speakers and all of that, you're gonna get to where you really like those within those 24 hours and you will not call them and return that car. You will keep it and you'll end up spending more than you probably did if you had gone in person. Thankfully, I haven't had to buy a car, but we've bought other things, haven't we? Um, I know that I've probably spent more than I needed to over these past months of just um, trolling Amazon and other places and thinking I needed something and it looked really enticing and you just buy now and click it and it's, it's pretty easy to do. Come and see, Philip says to Nathaniel, come and see. The greatest moment of evangelism we can ever imagine, can't we? Philip turns to a friend, Nathaniel, and says, you know, hey, I've met this Jesus and I want you to come and see him. Now, that's a difficult proposition for us in this time, isn't it? For us to turn to a friend and say, come and see. Because it's maybe difficult for someone to actually come or go anywhere and to actually then be able to see who we are professing as Lord and Savior. But I want to tell you that in the season of Epiphany, the light of Christ is in us. And we should not stop inviting people to come and see. We need to dive into those new ways of exploring how we have a relationship with Jesus and, and share that with others. Share that with others. I have heard countless stories of people who have shared the live stream link with many friends around the country and the world who are now tuned in, not only um, in the past, but probably today, are tuned in because someone has actually invited them to come and see. It may not be in person, but they're coming and seeing in a way that's new and exciting. Something that we hadn't done prior to the last 10, 11 months. Something that has invited others into a relationship with Christ Jesus our Lord.
we have learned a lot over these last months of how we can invite people to come and see. One of the main um, invitations and expectations that we hear in the Gospel of John today. The other thing that, that um, I've been pondering over these last few months is the question, what is essential? And we've heard this notion of essential workers and, and essential people in, in our culture and society. They should get the COVID vaccine first. We need to protect them. And I, I get all of that. I understand that notion of, of what is essential for the movement of, of our, our economy, the movement of our culture, the movement of our government and that kind of thing. But have you ever asked the question of yourself? What is essential in my life? What is essential? I think the gospel today is asking that question of us as we hear the story of Jesus calling Philip to be a disciple and Philip then inviting Nathaniel to be a part of that. What is essential? Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. That's what's essential in our lives. All this other stuff that we do, all the other things that we buy, all the other things that we put high on the priority list are really not that essential. Now granted, yes, eating is probably essential and exercise, I would say, is essential. But doing those things without a relationship with Jesus Christ makes them part of a routine, not part of the essential aspect of who we are, not a foundation of who we are. And that's what Jesus is calling us into this day, is to be essential workers for the kingdom of God. Essential workers for the kingdom of God, a.k.a. disciples. You and I, we're disciples of Jesus Christ. We are going to say, we follow you, Jesus. Now, what does that mean to say that we follow Jesus? What does it mean to say that we're an essential worker for the kingdom of God, an essential worker for the good news? What does it mean to say Follow me. When Jesus says that to us and we say we will. I think it means four things. That first, we would listen and see. Listen to God's still voice in our lives and see how God is at work in the world. And acknowledge that God is still at work in the world and still working in the midst of, of, of weird times that we're in. And weird is probably not the, the, the greatest word to put on it, but I, it's, it's so hard to describe what we're experiencing. The strife and the, the turmoil and the suffering, not only with COVID, but in our politics, but then worldwide relationships. And I mean, the list goes on and on. The hunger issues that we're seeing on Saturday mornings, the, the increase in, in, in awareness of mental illness, the, the increasing numbers of suicide, I mean, I could, I could stand here for 10 more minutes and list you the things that we are struggling with as a society. We need to listen to those and see those and acknowledge that God is in the midst of that and that we ought to be in the midst of that as well. Not that we should be mentally ill, but that we should be essential workers with those who are struggling with mental illness. That we should be disciples with those who are struggling physically, that we should be a part of the lives of those who are alone during this time, picking up the phone, creating Zoom meetings, FaceTime, you name it, with those 
who don't have any contact with other people. There are so many ways that we can listen and see that God is at work in our lives and is at work in our society and culture today. The next is that we would believe. Once we come to see that God exists and to know that God is still speaking to us, that we would say, I believe in you, God. I believe in your love. I believe in your grace. I believe you will bring hope. I believe that you are the light to the world. I believe that you are the source of all joy. And that that joy will overcome all sorrow. The light will overcome all darkness. The love of God will overcome all selfishness. If we say that we believe that, if we say that we believe that, then we will be called to follow Christ. That's action three, to follow him. So we come and see and listen. We believe. We follow. And we follow where God calls us to go. It's a, it's a moment for us not to sit there and say, well, God, I'd really like to do the following things, you know, A, B, C, D. No, it's a time and a moment for us to actually hear God tell us what God would want us to do. It would be really easy for Christ Church to say, you know, we, we, we would really love to do different things than be serving the poor on Saturday mornings or to invest time and energy into those who are struggling with mental challenges or to uh, pick up the phone and call folks who are isolated and alone. We could say, you know, it's, it's, it's enough for me just to come here Sunday morning and pull up my chair under these beautiful trees and worship you, oh God. It's enough for me to uh, pull up my pancakes and my coffee and my pajamas at home and worship you through the TV as well. But God is calling all of us as disciples when he says, follow me, into a deeper, more significant relationship with him and with the people that he places in front of us. We are just scraping the surface, y'all, of the possibilities that God has for us. If we are open to them and we say, truly say that I will follow, then, then the old ways of doing things will fall off like scales on a snake. And the new way of living will be the way that we perceive. And isn't it a perfect time for us to be thinking about what the new way of living and the new way of faith really is? Months from now, Months from now, we, I pray, will be back in the church building. Months from now, I don't know when it is. Someone asked me that earlier today. You know, well, when is that going to be? And I said, if I have that crystal ball, you could pay me a lot of money, and I could tell the world when that's going to be. I have no clue when it's going to be. But we have the parameters set forth by our rector of when that will be, but we just don't know when that will take place. We know how it will, but we, we need to be thinking to ourselves, and as a community, what does it look like for us to enter back into the church building? What does it look like for us to enter back into Bible studies in person? What does it look like for us to um, explore the new ways of doing things? Not just simply going back to what we were doing before. That's not following Jesus, I don't think. That's us telling him the way we want it. Jesus is calling us to think in new ways, to be transformed and changed, to acknowledge that he is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the light of the world, and we are following him. 
The last thing that, uh, that I would implore upon you is to act. And that may look very different and should look very different than it did a year ago. When we take action, when we put our faith into action in the world, it, it's, it's different today than it was yesterday. It's different today than it was months ago. It's different today than it was a year ago because we grow and we change. The world change, changes, and, and we need to explore what that action uh, needs to look like. But our faith will cause us to march for freedom. Our faith will ca cause us our faith will cause us to stand up for those who are impoverished. Our faith will cause us to walk hand in hand with those who suffer from mental illness. Our faith will cause us to pick up the phone and call the person who's been isolated over the last 11 months. Our faith will cause us to come to worship, whether it be outside or through a live stream or in the church when that becomes possible. Our faith will cause us to um, Denzel Washington just said this morning, push your, your shoes under your bed before you go to sleep. Far enough that when you wake up in the morning, you have to kneel down to get them. And while you're kneeling there, why don't you start your day in prayer? Ah, amen. Start your day amen. in prayer. Amen. That's a new way for maybe some of us to live. But that is an action that each and every one of us can take. Push your shoes further under the bed so that you have to kneel down. And while you're kneeling, say a prayer. And then listen to how God wants you to work and to serve and to live out your faith. It's a new way, a new calling, a new dimension, a new discipleship. Our lives have been totally transformed. I am a totally different person than I was a year ago. And I will say what's kept me going is being able to put my faith in action. The, the fortitude and the gratitude and the abundance and just the push forwardness of this congregation to not miss a single Saturday during this whole pandemic has kept me going. To come and see people who are taking the risk and having courage to serve others in this time of, of, great, um, of great disease has kept me going. That has given me hope and strength to see folks who are willing to serve those and walk with those and to comfort those and to find new and extraordinary ways of reaching out to people. Every week we get prayer requests and Richard Albanese receives those prayer requests from Sidewalk Saturday, and he has a prayer wall of all the yellow cards that have been turned in over the last months. And he prays for each and every one of those folks every single day. That prayer team has expanded to three or four or more people who are praying with him. And, and each and every one of those people, if they provide an email or a phone number, they're emailed and called, not just once, but multiple times. That is thinking out of the box. That is taking what he did in person, and because he can't be here because of health reasons, he has now moved that into a, a different way of serving others. That gives me hope. That gives me joy. Yesterday, Megan Desbro came back and started cutting hair again for us, and thank you, Megan, for doing that. There was a family of four, a mom and, and three beautiful young girls, and as they came in, I said, 
y'all can get haircuts today. And they looked at me like, he is way too excited about haircuts, right? So, but one girl said, really? I can? I haven't had a haircut in a long time. And I said, yes, and you've got, uh, as Patrick would say, the, the best hairstylist in the Southwest. I said the United States, maybe even the world. And uh, they all looked at me like, really? No way. This church would not bring in the best of the best to serve us. They really had that doubt in their eyes and in their face. They went and got their food and they were where they were working around the clothes and picking up some things. And I said, y'all, we really would love to give you a haircut, each and every one of you. And so the mom came out there, Megan reported to me later on, that the mom came out there and said, you go <laughs> to her daughter. <laughs> so try it out. I'm going to see if she messes up your hair to see if they've really hired or called in the best person. And come to find out, we had. And we do. We give our best to those who need it the most. And every girl got a haircut, and mom got a haircut too. In a simple cutting of hair, their lives were transformed because it wasn't about cutting hair. It was about sharing God's love with them and sharing hope with them. And that we would invest the best for them because they are children of God. In Martin Luther King's speech, when he accepted the Nobel Peace Prize, he said this, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word. That is what God is calling each and every one of us into. That is what it means to be a disciple. That is what it means to follow, to believe, to listen, and to see, is that we would have unarmed truth and unconditional love for every single one of God's children that he places in front of us. Amen.